We're gonna. We're We're live on very cool upstream number thirty-nine. Here with the whole cast, we have Alex Bass, Brandon Orr. As always, we've got Chris from Crackberry on the air as well. Darius Stokes, and we have a surprise yeah. guest. He actually made it to upstream this week. We have Jubair Asiel. How how's everyone doing? I can't complain. None of y'all would listen to me anyway, so what difference does it make? <laughs> I don't know, man. We're really compassionate, caring people. We'll listen to any concerns you may have. Jermaine did care. He asked me if I he messaged me the other day. He's like, yeah, all right. How's things go? <laughs> like, oh, love you, dude. <laughs> we got the upstream fam for sure. <laughs> so we do have a, a little bit to talk about, actually. Up, last upstream kind of fell right in the middle of Mobile World Congress, so we have a couple things to kind of follow up on, more to reiterate more than anything. There was a lot of press releases that came out throughout Mobile World Congress, and overall the message was BlackBerry is expanding their footprint in software. How do you guys feel about that move? We'll, we'll cover some of the specific announcements, some of the partnerships, but how do you guys feel about BlackBerry moving pejoratively toward a strategy that will be predominantly software-based as opposed to the hardware. I mean, I think right now 85% or 75% of their revenue is still hardware-based. So to say this is a software company right now is not true. They're transitioning still toward that. So what do you guys think? Is software really where you think BlackBerry is going to be in, the, in like five years from now? Or do you still see hardware playing a pretty decent role? I think hardware is going to play a – always going to play a role, but the role that it plays is going to be very different than it used to. Um, it's almost like a double-layered transition with BlackBerry as a company right now because you had, like, the uh, the physical transition. You know, all the staff, all the departments, divisions, all those changes had to take place. And now you have, like, that second layer uh, where they're executing on the direction that John Chen has uh, set forth. So now there's just, like, this uh, other change of uh, hardware being taking a back seat, and not necessarily a back seat, because they have their four divisions. Hardware is just one of them. So you got three other divisions, and they're all software-based. So uh, logically, we're going to see a reduction on their reliability on uh, hardware sales. So they can boast uh, a boost um, revenue on all the other software. I think they could certainly do it. Um, but that transition, um, don't really know how long it's going to take. You know, because people perceptively think of BlackBerry as a, solely as a hardware uh, company right now. So, C Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Did John Chen make a forecast of $500 million in software by next year? 2016. 2016. 2016. So that's going to be a pretty substantial base for them if they can actually hit it. And, and it makes sense because now we see them expanding with BBM. We see a lot of the announcements in terms of Bez. They've got Bez everywhere. I mean, where isn't Bez right now? Bez, is even, Bez 12 is on Sprint. Like, they don't even sell BlackBerry 10 devices anymore. They have, yeah. Sprint hasn't, Sprint hasn't had a new BlackBerry since the BlackBerry Q10, and right. they're already partnering for Bez and everything else. That's insanely interesting to me. Yeah, you know, I mean, software as a service is really growing just, like, in our generation. Like, right now... It is just being, it's this humongous thing. Software as a service is essentially paying a monthly subscription to something uh, for a service. Like, just like 
how Microsoft Office, for instance, it used to be a program that you'd purchase, but now it's a software as a surface, um, the Microsoft 365, so you pay like, what, $11 a month, and you always have the newest version, and that's what it is. So just looking at the path that BlackBerry is going, software as a service for them makes a lot of sense because rather than trying to compete with this maybe 3% market share in the U.S., for example, or in the world, who doesn't have a smartphone yet or and they're just not planning on getting one anytime soon, trying to educate the market to buy a BlackBerry, it's so much time and resources and money that it's just insane. So if you go to the software side of things, you could throw a lot less money out there in advertising because you're not really competing with a market that's already, you know, non-existent for the most part. So right. yeah, uh, and then they're also filling in a, a massive necessary niche there with security. Right now, security is moving into the spotlight in the forefront for a lot of companies and in, in you know, in, in pop media culture right now. So, BlackBerry is uh, slithering their way in by expanding their portfolio to address all of these issues and trying to get a jump start and take advantage. Um, you know, as far as uh, against the competition and having their foothold in that area. So when people think of security, they automatically synonymously make that assumption with BlackBerry. So, uh, I mean, what other moves are they going to make? They're not going to compete with hardware. You know, we already know that. Um, the hardware markets in um, America, lots of parts in, in Europe has already leveled off. So, People are losing money in hardware sales. So why are you going to waste hundreds of millions of dollars trying to just advertise a damn phone when you can expand uh, on the other divisions of your uh, company and you know make revenue? Right. And, and honestly, like when you look at it, um, I, like let's go back. You think about with Apple, right? Before they, well, after the whole bankruptcy deal that they had. And then they started making the new modeled uh, iMacs, I believe it was. I'm not completely sure the desktop they had, the colorful desktop computers that they started making when they start when, when Steve Jobs came back into the picture. And then they created iTunes. Now the MP3, you know, the iPod sold, but they still weren't selling desktop computers and laptops, you know, to the sleuth that they are now. But their software of iTunes was across PCs, wherever, because a lot of people were using the iPods. Now you gotta think they make money off the application because in that software, and they kind of help them in terms of being future proof as well. Because a lot of the applications that were used for you know Apple computers were also being used on PCs. But then after a while, people were like, you know what, I would rather just use this on a uh, you know Apple hardware because it just runs better. Essentially, right. down the road, you can just look at it like, okay, let's use the BlackBerry software now, but later down the road, people are like, well, I would like to use the hardware as well because it runs better there. And it right. helps. It, it's it's future-proof from the company. I mean, essentially, you have to look at it like you can't put all your chips on hardware, especially when you're not selling anymore. But when you have a great software, why not start pushing that and why not start pushing it cross-platform to these other users? Clearly, I mean, Android and iOS have the advantage, but in terms of the application, in terms of security, if you can offer them the software and the applications and use on their hardware, that is in turn, later down the road, could be an overturn to bring them back to your hardware. And they could well, see... Well, I, I, I definitely agree with, like, with, with, with Apple Maneuver, that's was, that was the start of their ecosystem, really. You know, just right. saying, listen, we have the software here that's 
you know, iTunes, right? That that revolutionized the way people interacted and used music on their mobile device. Then, then they came out with the hardware, which is the iPod. Then the iPhone later incorporated as well. So it, it supported one another. As far as like BlackBerry, though, I mean, establishing their software uh, services now, I think originally, a couple years back, some of us anticipated that this was a great idea for them to push their hardware. But they already, John Chen has already expressed that they're going to be supporting every device. What used to be competition now are clients. And, exactly. I mean, we'll see how they use devices like the Leap uh, to boast, uh, boost their um, hardware sales. But um, at this point, realistically, what other options do they really have? I want, I, want, I want to drop a quote from John Chen here. This is posted by Amber Canwar. <laughs> That's exactly what I was just looking at. It's, 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 a, it's a brilliant quote that really sums it up well. John Chen basically says, why do I care about competitors if I can make money off of their success? You know, And, and this kind of goes back to what Alex and Jube were speaking on earlier where you, know, you have hundreds of you know, thousands, millions of devices – you can monetize like that instead of, as Alex had mentioned, you know, trying to educate these users to bring them over to then tell their friends about it. I mean, Alex can tell you that's a pretty arduous task, trying to bring a bunch of family and friends over to a platform, especially because the hardware isn't as consistent as it needs to be for those general consumers, right? I know Alex has been waiting on an upgrade for Verizon, waiting on another AllTouch, and it's just not there for him. He's better off sticking with his Z30, which has slightly better specs than the Leap. I also think with the Leap, when we're talking about hardware, that it, it kind of falls in this place where they needed to kind of say that we still care about hardware, we still care about that all-touch factor. So we kind of have to rehash what we have, right? They have probably a lot of stocks of different hardware components and different bits. They know it's a solid reference platform with that Qualcomm sock. you got to go for it, right? Even if it's a stopgap, it's going to at least keep the churn going so they can sell these devices I read something on the Financial Post, and I'm not sure if their numbers were entirely accurate, but they quoted the Z3 selling at a volume of 3 to 4 million devices last year. So I wonder if they can just replicate that. That's about you know, almost half of the 10 million devices that John Chen needs that keep that segment of BlackBerry profitable in terms of hardware. So there's just got to find the middle ground so that they can break even and it's not hurting the bank for them. Uh, what do you guys think of the Leap? Do you guys think that the Leap device is going to come to AT&T, Verizon, and Sprint? It seems like one of those budget things that you'd want to push it through to try to get it into those channels. What are some of you guys' thoughts? Well, I did see the interview, um, and I know Chris was about to talk. I'll, I'll just throw this in. No, go ahead. I saw an interview where that was a similar question was... Uh, you know, proposed to uh, John Chen, and he expressed that the Leap device was actually in demand. The market that they uh, wanted to obviously head into business and enterprise, they wanted an all-touch device, and he said we made it for them. He not one word of consumers came out of his mouth, and I think it's a very interesting, um, you know, maneuver. Go ahead, Chris. He downplayed the international factor as well. Like he, he didn't necessarily say that this was, you know, a device for emerging markets or anything like that. He specifically stated this is a device for enterprise customers who may be of the younger generation 
who don't necessarily want a keyboard device because the keyboard device itself is sort of like, you know, that's like their dad's work phone. He, he, made, he sort of made that association with it rather than saying, you know, this is for everybody. He, he specifically said that these enterprise customers of a younger generation want a touchscreen device. They don't want a keyboard device. So they, they fully intend on rolling it out to enterprises. And he did, and he did say mid-level, too. He did not yeah. say high. He said an affordable mid-level device. Yep. Right. When could, the, when could the be rolled out to enterprise. Right, when the corporate's offering a device, right? And they're like, well, my friends are going to make fun of me if I go for the classic. Let me, you know, there's another option yeah. for me. Same kind of range, so to speak, in terms of specs, performance, etc. But, you know, it comes in at a little cheaper of a price point. So for enterprise deployments, it seems like, you know, a no-brainer. It's a nice-looking device. It's the Z3 LTE that we've needed, you know? We've needed that type of device. And I'm glad in terms of... Z3 to leap that they actually did increase the specifications to put it at par. They didn't just put an LTE radio on a Z3. So I can appreciate that they they did that at the very least. I'm pretty I mean, harsh on the leap. <laughs> I don't like it. It's 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 like I as I've said from the beginning, it's obviously not a device for me. But it's just it. I don't know. There's something about it. I just don't like the look of it. I don't. Yeah. In the, right, uh, I mean, you could tell, like, and this is like on the on the other end. It's kind of like their device to kind of phase out the whole uh, Z30 devices. Yeah. Um, and I think that the leap is a lot more cost productive for them than it is to produ continue producing, you know, Z30s. And then we look at the Z30, and it's associated with the former uh, CEO and that whole botched launch of the Z30. It just like kind of never happened. So in the middle of the night. <laughs> Came out like a ninja. Oh, oh wait, the leap was also launched in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, Jubay, yeah. that that's definitely interesting because I, I had a big discussion on Crackberry on one of the posts, and I brought up, you know, why would you buy uh, this this leap when the Z30 has better specs and it's literally like the exact same price range. It has, you know, a little bit better processor and it has a little bit larger battery life and I'm like it doesn't make any sense why they would do this but a lot of people did bring up that well the Z30 for them to produce it is probably a lot more expensive and they probably started to lose money or not make very much money from the Z30 selling at this price when right. it's I mean, look at the price hundred off contract yeah yeah how much was the was the Z30 when it first launched six it was yeah and now it's sub 300 off contract yeah how much is the leap you know so yep it's just it, it goes, it's a great point to make. I know Brandon Brandon was piping in earlier, so we got we gotta let him speak too. Oh, no, it's just I was just gonna echo what they were saying. Basically, if you if you compare side by side the Z30 and the Leap, the Z30 has a bit of an advantage on on each of the categories, but not even that much. It's it's fairly it's fairly small. So it's essentially what they're echoing that the Leap is a replacement for the Z30. It's not necessarily. Um, an upgrade to the Z30, the next iteration of the Z30, it's essentially just filling in that gap where Z30 at this point in time, not when it first came out, at this point in time, it's filling the gap where the Z30 currently fills it. So the leap Right, it was a lateral move. Exactly. <laughs> and it costs them less to make, presumably. Yeah. Because yeah. It's, it, to me, it, it looks even... I don't know. I don't want to say a cheaper quality, but it, it looks... Agree. Yeah. Here's the here's the here's the irony that comes with it. The device wasn't built by Foxconn either. No, it was built by Wistron. Yeah, yeah. And that's an Indonesian manufacturer. Is that correct? 
or Taiwanese. It's it's one of those. Um, very interesting. I you know we have to we have to get our hands on with the device. I believe it's going to drop in April. Yeah, it's starting in Europe. Starting in Europe, that's it's an interesting. It's funny because wasn't there a recent article that came out saying like BlackBerry's market share in Europe from the consumer side is like less than half a million users, which I yeah. believe, I believe it. But at the same point, as Jubei had mentioned, and Alex as well, they're not really going toward that target demographic any longer. They're really focusing on the enterprise piece. Darius, what are some of your thoughts in terms of them focusing more on software? I mean, do you see yourself still being a BlackBerry loyalist? when they really do transition fully over to that software base? I mean, do, do you like BlackBerry software in terms of, like, Blend and some of the desktop things that they're bringing about? Like, I don't know. I've always been kind of miffed on BlackBerry software. Like, Link, like, I could care less for Link. But Blend is all right. Blend still needs some work. So I, I don't know how confident I feel in BlackBerry software yet, and I still feel like, for me at least, that's something they still got to prove to me. What are some of your thoughts on it, Darius? I mean, I'm I'm glad to see that they are actually going more towards the software because, and the reason why I say this is a simple fact because I think a lot of people underplay the the fact that with future software that BlackBerry will bring forth will be, you know, QNX uh, intertwined, if you will. I mean, it's it's it, it's it's QNX integrated. So you got to think about it. If they're kind of pushing their future software. If they're pushing QNX to be more like that IoT, you know, savior, and you think about it, if we already create these applications based upon QNX, then we're ahead of the game. Once it once it's in more households, once it's in automobiles, wherever else, we already have all these applications. We don't have to adjust to trying to make it, you know, work with QNX. So that's one thing that I kind of like see them, you know, kind of going with it and a reason why they're kind of pushing it. But at the same time, as, as I mentioned, you can't put all your eggs in one basket in terms of just totally depending on the hardware side of things. You have to make it kind of a 50-50, if you will. Um, and I think it will essentially will become more like a 70-30. You won't not, you'll never like not see hardware come from BlackBerry, I never, I feel, but I think in, in, in long term, you have to look at it like their software and the applications they make are really what is, in terms of positivity in, in catching the public's eyes and what people want. When it comes to security, it isn't the devices. It's solely the software. If they preach security, then you have to preach software. That's the only thing you're going to get apart. So it's not a surprise. I, I don't think anyone who follows BlackBerry would be surprised by any of the actions that they're taking right now. Um, and, I mean, truth be told, this is what's been happening for the last year and a half. The biggest thing in terms of hardware has just been purely the passport. And so, I mean, even with BBM money, that software, that's a part of the you know monetization that they're going towards. BBM is an application. It's purely software, and that's what they've been putting you know a lot of focus towards. So um, it, it, it's not surprising. It's a transition that they're making. Um, I think with... Uh, Mobile World Congress, it was just kind of uh, made as a statement, if you will. Like, this is officially what we're going to be doing. Right, but, and here's the actual, yeah, right. the, bread, the bread and right. the butter. You, exactly. made a good, you made a good point there that it is the services, it is the software that ultimately makes the hardware, right? right. You, can, you can have a super spec phone, but if it can't do anything, if it can't run the services and applications that you want, it's useless. Right. We, we, we appreciate things like the keyboard, right? The mm -hmm. time shift camera, from Scalato. We, we appreciate the small little things, Story Maker, the small bits of software that make up what BB10 is. 
and, and you know, obviously QNX underneath all of that. So if you take those services, the things that BlackBerry has actually refined to bring that out-of-the-box experience for hardware, and you take that software and put it on other devices, there is a big propensity, and you kind of mentioned it earlier, Darius, for them to turn the tide back on their own hardware because people are like, wow, I really like this experience. Right. And I don't think that you're going to be able to have things like Peak and Flow on some of these other platforms because of the way they're built, the way they're architected, you know? So uh, maybe there is a point there. 70-30 is maybe where we'll see it, but there may be a transition maybe five, ten years out where maybe hardware does have a tipping point. I see, like you mentioned with the Passport, more vertical devices, devices built toward a specific demographic outside of that consumer pipeline, that mainstream pipeline. Oh, yeah. Which, he's which, doing, uh, yeah. He expressed that specifically uh, yeah. at the World, World Congress. He's like, we're making industry-specific devices. Yeah, and, and they're, you know, they're, what are they the best at right now? They are the best at producing physical QWERTY devices. They own all these patents in physical QWERTY technology. So you have like the typo and they try and finally make a good keyboard for the iPhone and they get sued and they lose the lawsuit. So really, look at all the competition out there. BlackBerry owns the physical QWERTY device market. No Android phones have anything equivalent to it. So moving forward, why would they spend all this time and money to build you know, this really high quality all-touch device and try and sell it over the iPhone or high-spec Android, you know, like uh, Samsung for instance. They own the Android market for the most part. So BlackBerry, why not just have them make these awesome, innovative, physical QWERTY devices like the Passport or like the slider that we'll talk about later and whatever. So it's just kind of they don't have any business being in the all-touch market because they'll actually make more money from Android or iPhone users selling them software as a service. They'll make more money than selling them hardware. Well, that's a good point, Alex, but I think we still have to provide options, nonetheless. I mean, you're not going to provide as many touch, all-touch uh, options as you would, Cordy, if you will, but... That's what the lead is for. Right, but at the same time, you still have to provide that option, I feel, because it, and it, it doesn't mean that they don't make great all-touch devices by no means. It's just that, you know, due to the market share... In terms of being able to compete to, uh, against Android and iOS, it won't be as uh, you know, it won't be any competition really uh, for for BlackBerry. Uh, I should say for Android and, and iOS for BlackBerry. But the same time is that it's just options that I feel like they they should provide. They should well, provide because when you got to think, what have what what have you been screaming about? If you are a BlackBerry user, you've been screaming that I'm waiting for the next all-touch. And with the slide, yeah, you know, you will get both, best of both worlds, but still some people don't want that form factor. Some people just want an all-touch. As a consumer, yes, I'm screaming I want my Z30 replacement. But right. looking at their business model and what makes sense, they have no business being in the all high-end all-touch device market. They've tried. The Z10 was a high-end to an extent. The Z30 was a high-end to an extent. And they flopped. I know it was a really bad timing with the software and everything that kind of aligned <laughs> yeah, with it. Yeah. Um, but but look at their competition. Ninety nine point nine percent of the market is premium all touch devices already sold. Uh, Alex, for, for, Alex. to get into that market, yeah, go. But yep. Alex, the reason you're saying that they shouldn't compete is just because they can't compete on a software level in terms of an all touch device. For instance, there's a lot of when, when you compare apples to apples in this case, it's one <laughs> touch device to another 
uh, touch device, you know, people are just going to be missing that value added when they're going to a BlackBerry if they need all those apps from their iPhone, right? Whereas what yeah. you're saying is, I guess, the BlackBerry provides that value added with the keyboard and other features like that. But yeah. what, what I think Darius is trying to get to, and I'm not trying to put words in Darius's mouth, and this is coming from my mouth as well, is that what if uh, BlackBerry added, gave that value added to their touch devices, through a slider keyboard, through other means, that would you know, propel those devices to be a better experience overall than maybe an Apple or an Android device. Maybe some other some other features that would do that. Just because you're not the yeah. lead in the race, just because someone's beating you in a race doesn't mean there isn't room to do something better. If you look at it, MySpace was the top in terms of social networking. Facebook came along and did the same thing, just better. It doesn't. <laughs> MySpace is Blackberry. <laughs> <laughs> What I'm just saying is that just because someone's in the lead there doesn't mean there isn't any way to innovate on the touchscreen space. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's, yeah, you, you, you know. can curve the edge, man. Of course exactly. there's ways to innovate. <laughs> stop. Stop it. <laughs> no, but yeah, you're, you're definitely right. I'm, I'm, sh- I'm kind of thinking short term because within the next couple of years, they don't have a, a, any business being in the high-end all-touch market because they're not making money off of it. But sure, two years from now, once they get the apps on board, if they, if they could either you know integrate Android enough into it and get Google Play services and enough specs to run Android you know apps that well then yeah absolutely make a high-end all-touch device and it makes complete sense short term though why throw all of your money at this high-end all-touch device to just cater to a very small market segment and if you want to expand the market segment you have to spend billions of dollars like but Microsoft to get into that and to saturate at, it at the well, same time you're you're if if you focus solely on keyboard devices then you're dividing your user base there's a lot of people who still like players right. not solely just for keyboards and they're still going to want that touch device because now mm-hmm. they're locked into this BlackBerry 10 OS yep. that they really like, and so what you're doing is a, you're saying, a lot of oh, people. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Like, come on, but yeah. it's not that many. Start, the overall scheme that, Okay, we're just gonna have keyboard devices. <clears throat> then you have people like you and I, Alex, who really like the touch devices, who are yep. gonna be like, well, I don't really like a keyboard device, so why am I gonna, why am I necessarily gonna stay with the, the, uh, the BlackBerry yep. system, right? And so it, that's why you gotta, you gotta provide those options, you know. But that's right. what the slider is meant for. It's, it's kind of the workaround where you get best of both worlds. And I don't yep. agree with it. I don't really want a slider, but <laughs> this is where my point is. BlackBerry doesn't necessarily want you and me. They would obviously want us to be on the ecosystem, but if they could make more money from us going to Samsung and then selling us the hub and other software services, they'd be making more money from us than us even staying with the BlackBerry ecosystem. So as that's a consumer, I completely disagree. But as a business sense, I understand what they're doing, and I think it makes complete sense. I'm not happy, but I, as, a, as an investor, I'm happy, I can say, if that makes sense. It does. I, I just want to touch it, and I'm going to leave it alone after this, but I, I feel Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to stay on it long, but, this, but just saying, I, I really feel like there's nothing wrong with them giving you a high-end all-touch device. I mean, you got to think about it. You really think that BlackBerry's making a ton of money off passports? As in, as, as uh, innovative as a device it is, do you think they're making like a huge cash? Some uh, they're they're not. So no. it, it doesn't mean that they. It, it's a high end device, but it, why can't they make a high end all touch device? They can. They just have to do it correctly. They have to be smart about it. They can't do what they did with the Z10 and just put it out there and it was don't just overbuild it. Right. I mean, it's like you have to just do it right. Put out the 
the, the right numbers, make sure the demand is correct for it, and you can you can deliver it. You can. There's nothing wrong with it at all. It's just make sure that it's done right. They've done it. If you pay attention with all the hardware since Chins came in, it's been done right. The Z3 was done right. The passport's been done right. This is that if BlackBerry invests in making the best phone in the history of mankind, no one's still going to buy it because it's yep. a BlackBerry. Yeah. Bought Thank you. Yeah. So so what what do you guys okay so let's let's back up a little bit right we 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 will discuss hardware there's a lot more hardware to talk about in terms of the slider and leap but if we are focusing solely on on the software side of things and some of the announcements we see a sprint partnership to bring Bez 12 over to their enterprise customers BlackBerry expanding into healthcare as well different partnerships throughout healthcare they're even leveraging their subsidiary SecuSmart and building out a secure through with Vodafone building a secure call service basically. Yeah. So they're they're layering in the infrastructure for the future. It's kind of what it seems like, right? They've got Bez 12 on SIM based monthly uh, pay structures. So you really see them kind of expanding in all areas. So it kind of seems like in hardware they were expanding in all areas. We had a Z10, Q10, Q5, you know, all these devices, the Z30, the Z3. They were expanding in hardware, kind of throwing things at the wall to see what works, and now they're kind of receding from that strategy. And now they're ch doing that and replicating that strategy with different software. And Alex had kind of mentioned it's going to be more successful for them. They're going to ultimately make more money. The question is, do people want BlackBerry software? And I think if they're focusing on the enterprise base, the answer is yes. I'd like to see kind of what you guys think in terms of like medical specifically. That seems to be one of the big software frontiers for them. Where do you guys see BlackBerry really having a value add in terms of the medical field? I think they have the value add when it comes to the security and the network because, I mean, up until basically with forever, I mean, that's what BlackBerry is known for. They're known for their network and they're known for their security. And when it comes to those infrastructures, that's, you know, those, are, those things are key. You know, you obviously don't want your medical information floating around there on every single network and being viewable by anybody. So, I mean, there's there's lots of room for them in that area to be able to go ahead and say, hey, look, we have a secure network, and we can transfer your data in such a way that you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about anybody hacking in or anything like that. You know, so it, it really comes back to the the security and the network infrastructure and that's not that's not even necessarily just localized to like medical infrastructure it's across all of these things like the healthcare industry is only one segment of it you can do that across the automobile industry everything um, even telecommunications transferring you know like shipments and stuff like that everything all of that could all all essentially benefit from a secure network and a reliable network, and BlackBerry has proven that they have the secure network. They have the reliable network. You know, there hasn't been necessarily any issues with the BlackBerry network in a long period of time. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's something that people tend to forget about. Like, when was the last major outage for the BlackBerry network? It wasn't, you know, when when N four BB leaked the Android APK and almost took the VM down. You know, those that's that's something substantial that they have, and I think there's a lot of value-added uh, services for them to be able to go ahead and take that information to people and say, listen, we can provide you with a secure network. We can provide you with a reliable network. 
use our services, and we will be the provider. So they have the cha- they have the channel, they have the pathway for secure secure connectivity. What else do they have for medical, Jubei? Uh, you know, in addition to everything that Chris said, because that's that's the foundation, right? They are introducing devices like the Passport, for instance, to revolutionize and redefine the way the health industries communicate with one another. We're looking at uh, the partnerships they've established in which uh, they're going to provide uh, incredible software and apps where doctors could uh, access information and how different departments and divisions within um, you know, a hospital or some sort of medical facility can interact with one another. So you have the foundation of security and reliability there, especially that the majority, a great portion of medical uh, equipment already has QNX uh, you know, embedded uh, software in them. So they're going to leverage that as well, but also introducing powerful apps and uh, just redefining the way communication is done within those industries. It's really going to be a compelling sell uh, because no one else has led, uh, no one no one else has really introduced these things before. They're, they're, they're kind of leading um, the way in Definitely. this revolution and I think it's going to be very successful and you can already see other major companies even Companies like Apple, companies like Google, they're, 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 they have an eye on medical because they know that's a huge uh, industry. And BlackBerry has, you know, they have a head start in it. So They do. They're, they're, they're kind of like the frontiersmen, so to speak, right? They're out there really paving the way for it. I think Chen had mentioned that there's an ecosystem of, already of about 200 medical applications that they can serve through their different channels and networks. So that's expanding. I mean, think of what Apple did for the App Store. And that whole paradigm, and you can expand that into now these different industries securely. So you can literally own each of those niches along the way with the secure channel that you know Blaze had mentioned. Somewhere Lazarus is uh, twiddling his fingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as he's building his quantum computer to run all the medical. <laughs> yeah. Another exactly. an, another important thing I want to mention in terms of QNX and BlackBerry and all this stuff and, and IoT and the healthcare space is essentially that as more and, pe- more, and more people start using um, hospitals and other avenues of medical services, it's, it's a lot more difficult to keep track of people's medical history and stuff like that. So besides the point of just security and just being more efficient like that, it also provides that, that um, electronic history database so that people can really keep track of how they're being taken care of and, and just improving, you know, people's maintenance, how, how they maintain their bodies over time. And so apart from just the security aspect of it, the IoT machine aspect of it, there's also that you know, huma- humanity aspect to it too, where you're really going to improve the lives of people through this and, and help provide that better service in that regard. That's a great thing to mention, Brandon. I, I absolutely agree with what's being yeah. said. It's, it's kind of like one of those like duh moments, right, where I could go to my friend's house and log into Netflix, and I have my whole library of movies, but I can't do the same kind of seamless transition with my medical information, right? So being able to have that kind of channel, that kind of platform to deliver that information across different providers, as you and Jubei have both mentioned, is definitely going to be powerful, and if BlackBerry can pioneer that realm, 
uh, you know, they stand to make a lot of money. Well, James, so, they actually uh, actually had uh, demonstrations of this, right? They used a passport device and they did some live uh, demonstrations. They brought some medical professionals uh, up on the stage and and they demonstrated how. Uh, I hate those panels. Access. I always tune out when I see the panels. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, they demonstrated how um, patient information is accessible and how they can transmit and, um, you know, with the, you're talking about like the BBM meetings and how they can uh, converge on one patient from different departments and everything, everyone's on the same page. It's, it's really impressive stuff. It'd be great if they could do that because speaking from my own personal experience, I know how hard it is to actually transfer medical records and stuff like that, um, you know. You, you speak to one one doctor on one side, but you know that doctor doesn't necessarily have the exact same information if you go to somebody else for something very specific. So you're constantly waiting for that information to be you know transferred from one specialist to another specialist. and you know the flow of information isn't necessarily there in the way that it should be. And, and that's the thing is that people we're not computers. we're not we're not getting data from people in a traditional sense of how we get data from computers or other systems. You can't just plug in a needle into people and figure out what was done to them. So this other aspect that's brought into the medical field is so much more important in that regard. That was such a, a visceral <laughs> verbiage that you used there. I said, I'm seeing needles. I'm, I'm playing the Matrix back in my head well, as you said well, Maybe that. in the future when people have chips you can, but... <laughs> Can I just highlight one one very simple thing though? Is that the medical stuff is absolutely interesting, and we know for a fact that it is entirely going to be a part of BlackBerry's future, especially even a part of their survival. But just just to highlight something that that informational post or that press release that we put up in regards to the 200 applications and all those people, all those organizations that have signed on with BlackBerry, it only got 10 comments. Literally only 10 comments, and it was probably one of the larger announcements out of what BlackBerry is doing in terms of their actual future and turning profit. But there's no consumer interest there. The, the way I, the, yeah, the way I view this stuff is that it's very hard for people to really to really relate with a lot of this stuff because yeah. it just you can't see it. You can't see it. With, yeah. a, with a device release, you can really see that device. You can be like, oh, I like how it looks. I like the features it has. When you're talking about the medical stuff, um, there's very few examples currently at the present time where you can really see, you know, doctors um, using this technology, machine-to-machine -machine technology, every single day. And it, it, it's really just that beginning moment where, where we're really, where BlackBerry's telling everybody, listen, this is what we're starting to do, and this is what we're going to be in the next few years. And people just don't really, it, it's really hard to grasp grasp stuff when you can't see it. I find, and I think that's the that's a problem with maybe. Um, the BlackBerry community not commenting so much on these articles. Yeah, absolutely, because, I mean, when we open up BlackBerry World, we don't see 200 medical applications in there that we can download because, obviously, they don't fit our criteria. We're not going to be using them. The but, one we, but we see INS10. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the, the one medical application that is in there that they put up as a demo there's like people that are downloading it and they're commenting like, why can't I use this demo? Why can't I use this demo? Why doesn't it work? It's like, because it's not meant for you. Did you what even bother to read it? <laughs> you don't even have a login. What are you right. doing? What do you mean? I can't download this app and like test my blood pressure and no, stuff? No, you can't what? view your x-rays from your doctor on there. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> and it's definitely an expanding world for BlackBerry in terms of software, in terms of that consumer education. And I guess, Blaze, that's why we're here, right? This is yeah. why we do this, to, to try to level out the kind of high-level understanding and bring it down to a place where people can understand. So tune in next week. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's transition over to BBM. I think we hammered medical, uh, bludgeoned it, really. Um, we'll, let's talk about BBM's... doctor. <laughs> yeah, call, call the doctor over. You have my blood pressure. Let's talk about BBM's biggest update ever, potentially. This kind of fell right in between the Mobile World Congress news. BBM is now on Android Wear. There are active subscriptions for different BBM premium services, including uh, vanity pins, which we talked about on our previous upstream, and as well the ability to remove advertisements within BBM. This update rolled out across platform, which I liked. I didn't like when iOS was getting an update before us, and then Android, and then BlackBerry. I didn't like that. So I'm glad it was a unified, here it all is. You may have to wait a day or two, but it, here it all is for everybody, right? What do you guys think of the new update do you find you have contacts that are using some of the new features, the premium ones specifically? I'm more interested in what Brandon thinks about it all. <laughs> I, I commented that, like, I didn't want to speak on it because I would blow up about this, but I think, honestly, yeah. these features, I don't know if it's maybe because I downloaded BBM over the air or something, but finding subscriptions and, and to start a subscription is super difficult. I think the only place you can find it is when you look at your own pin and there's a small active text that you tap to get it to customize your pin and okay fine you finally get to that stage and you do it basically the only people I've seen subscribing are, are Blackberry fanboys like us who who know about it I haven't seen a single wow that, that hurt Brandon that fanboy comment hurt <laughs> <laughs> if we didn't if we didn't buy who like honestly like I haven't seen anybody on iPhone or Android get a custom pin it's just that, like, I really they don't, don't even know what it is. Yeah, I just don't understand. Like, and then I got an ad telling me about this custom pin that wouldn't go away for a week, and then I found out you can finally hold it and delete it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. And my whole family is like, this is really annoying. Like, Blackberry's pissing me off with this ad here telling me about it. I already know it. it's not going away. <laughs> I just, honestly, I think like there's a way to go about getting like revenue from black from from BBM, but I, I think this this way like the the custom pins are all right, but the ads, and stuff, think, they, there could have been a smarter way to go about it. I, I don't know. It's just... It's weird, and it feels like half-baked at this point in terms of the rollout of these premium yes. pins. That's my main concern with it. I don't I don't necessarily have any problems with the ads or anything like that. I mean, you know, if they want to offer an ad-free subscription, I'll probably buy it just to support BlackBerry. I haven't bought that the ad-free one yet because, honestly, the ads don't annoy me. Uh, but... I did buy a custom pin. However, the biggest issue with this update is the fact that I literally had to work in order to be able to go ahead and purchase a custom pin because it wasn't actually appearing in my black in my BBM where it was supposed to be. I'd open up the BBM shop. It's supposed to be there at the bottom of like the wallpapers. Oh my god. It wasn't there. Like you have to you have to go and click on the URL, or you have to have somebody like on your BBM that has the URL, whatever the case may be. Anyways, there are ways around it, of course. You can refresh from BlackBerry World, whatever. But that's not the point. The point is, it should have been there. It wasn't there. It wasn't working. And it made me very upset. Well, yeah. I, 
I don't and it needs to be it needs to be better. It just needs these rollouts need to be better. You're charging for this. It needs to be better. Yeah. Like, when, I, when I have to struggle to give you money, something is wrong, okay? Like, I want to give you money, but the button that says, I want to give you money, and the authorization isn't appearing for me. Like, it's, very, it's very ironic because Blaze is actually describing every BlackBerry 10 device launch ever. <laughs> right. right. Well, this is Q10, wait two months for it, you know? People this is like a blue, most useless update that I've ever seen in my life. And I'm just looking at like, I'm sure a lot of people would have paid for the subscription if you were to say, okay, there's a one-time fee of $1.99 and you get custom pin, you get no ads, you get uh, the things or, or something, you know, like you have to give people this list of options and say, buy this simply for this. Now, breaking it down, saying you can either buy, you know, no ads or you can buy a custom pin, cool, because it took a couple of days for the custom pin option to show up in the shop. Blaze is like absolutely correct. Like, I, I'm sitting here, I didn't want to ask anybody in the group because I felt like I was a dumbass if I did. I mean, <laughs> uh, I'm like, hey, how do you find the custom pin thing? And then I see it like across a couple BDM channels. Oh, you're looking for. The custom pin, you have to go here, and I'm like, that is too, too fucking much. One, because I don't even update my status that often. Two, it wasn't showing up in in, in the BBM shop like it should have been. So, at the end of the day, I'm just looking at it like it, it, it was really just not the the update you really were kind of anticipating for months that's been happening, and it finally comes in. It's just like, are you serious? Oh, uh, we got group pictures. Yeah. yeah. And, well, like, I, people have those blue stars now on their icons, and it's like, yeah, what the oh, hell, uh, man? Like, with, the, with the white star. And then you're like, oh, what's this, what's this white star on this person's, like, and oh, and you cool. can't opt out of it either. Oh, oh they're so, subscribed. They're subscribed. Let me, let me see what subscribed is. Oh, I the think this, uh, shop. there's nothing in the shop. Like, what the hell? there seems to be some sort of disconnect between, or there's just no budget as far as like uh, the marketing department and what BBM is uh, putting out, because they push out these updates, and we don't know what they are. You know, and we're and we're talking about us. We're like we represent like that top tier. Less than one percent, super fanatic, you know, uh, BlackBerry fans, and we don't even know how it's working. So, what chance does the average user have when it comes to discovering new features and stuff being introduced to uh, BBM? My question now with to BlackBerry is: um, Is there what's going on between your divisions, and is there a budget for the marketing department mm. for you guys to adequately just put out a simple message? To put out an update or a link, something. Give us something. I think the, mar I think the marketing TV. budget is built into Jeff Gadway's salary, and he just gets a camera and holds the device and does it. And it's unfortunate, but that's how that's how they can effectively move forward at this point. Right. I, I went through my before we go, Alex. I went through my contact list. Right. I was curious to see what is the penetration of these premium a la carte subscriptions. I have about 360 contacts. I talk to maybe 60 of them, like let's be honest, right? But I have a, a wide array of indie and different cultures just to see what they're talking about in terms of their broadcasts, whatever they're talking about, right? I went through 360 contacts, and about one-sixth of them have actually paid for a subscription of some kind. They've got the little banner. So, yeah, it's targeted at the 1%, you know, that. but they have 90 million active users. 1% of that is still money. It's money they didn't have before. So it's gonna be effective. People are gonna buy it. It's almost like a status thing now, you know. Oh, I've got my custom pin, 
what's yeah. yours. And now I have to keep paying it if I want to keep it, right? Yeah. So Which, it, we hate yeah. it, but it is what it is. And, yeah, and I think... Oh, sorry, you go, Alex. No, the, just I, I wanted to bring up some of the sentiments of people in, in beta zone because after this whole release of BBM happened, I, I was chilling out in beta zone and seeing what people were saying about it. And, you know, everyone was complaining about the pricing to it. And I just want to bring up a few things. So... You know, if you pay the 99 cents per month to remove the advertisements, well, realistically, there's absolutely no way possibly that BlackBerry is making $1 per user per month from us in those advertisements. Because think of it this way. Every maybe like 5,000 impressions, they might get a click from it. So that means 5,000 people seeing it, they might get one click. And that one click might be valued at 5 or $6. So... Realistically, each impression would be valued at like point zero zero zero, like a, a very small cent amount. So each user would have to see like five thousand ads within that month to it for it to be worth that one dollar fee. It's just like an absorbent amount of price that they're trying to get from us twelve dollars per year just to remove ads. So it's it they need to make it more realistic. Whether it's just you know five dollars a year I, I or something. I was uh, I'm I'm sure like most people I was kind of uh, put off with the pricing that they had for these uh, features, and it's not like BBM is littered with ads where I'm just scrambling no. around to pay to get rid of them. I never see ads to begin with, you know. I, and it's, you look at the Android crowd; those guys are swimming neck deep in ads all the time. And that's something they might be, and not even they are probably jumping on because BBM, uh, the ads on BBM for for Android devices are probably not that much either. I mean, they get littered with ads on every app that they have anyway. So the the price point should have been more along the lines of WhatsApp. Yep. You know, ninety nine cents for the year. What do you do with ninety nine cents a year? You probably attract your entire user base. Whatever. That's ninety million bucks, possibly. It's, you know, it's recurring. It's recurring, guaranteed annually. But you you set a price point. You put the monthly. Even the custom pin should have been an annual price. Yeah, you know, it's it's just yep. I don't get the pricing on that. I, yeah, I don't. I'm hoping yeah. it, they've just rolled out a la carte options, and there will be an actual premium bundle. But later. even so, oh, right. this this premium bundle is going to be still an insane amount if you're looking at these prices. Because the other part that people were more annoyed about was the cost of the pin. So there are a few scenarios, like you buy a pin, and if you don't pay for it the next month, you lose that pin. So someone else could go and take your pin, and like, what if your friends don't know, and they go and add this person? Like, you don't want a used pin, because you're going to get requests from people that you don't want requests from. So it should be like a license plate, for instance, where it's a one-time fee, and you get it for the year. They need to do something like this. A monthly thing is just really wrong for, for this you know, scenario. And what do you even do with the custom pin right now? If you if you type in pin and then call in and put your, your custom pin, it doesn't act like a pin. So what is the benefit of a custom pin right now? There is none. So solely for, so we, so we for invites to send yeah. something easy to remember. That's it. That is it. I think that's why you still keep you, you still see your old pin um, and the custom pin as well is because it's attaching the custom pin that you're paying for to your old pin, of course. Yeah. And so once it once the, the name isn't there, I mean it's people are gonna send requests, you're not gonna get any crazy requests because it's no longer attached to the pin anymore. But, but I, I totally agree though, Alex. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean because you all bring it, but I totally agree. It should work it should you know work along the lines like a license plate that you pay an annual service for it. I mean it just completely makes sense. But like BBM, like it prides itself on being like a private, you know, 
messaging service. I, I don't understand what this whole emphasis on on customizing your pin. If they had said, oh, you can pay to customize your channel pin, that would have made sense because that's something you're actually going to advertise, and then you're going to get some, you know, people looking for that handle, that channel such handle. Great, absolutely, such a good point. You know, kind of like a Twitter a Twitter handle. And yeah, you, know, you tell me, you tell me, people on Twitter wouldn't be paying top dollar to retain their awesome um, Twitter handles. If yeah. people on channels, the first few 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 people on people on channels got really good handles, they would be paying, shelling out money every month just to keep that channel handle. Yeah. Right. Whereas with a custom pin, it's like, well, I don't really broadcast my pin that much anyway. Totally it's agree. Nice to have, but it's not something that. I need, right? Why, yeah. dude? Now I'm second guessing why I even bought the freaking custom pin after what you just said, Brandon. Brandon pressure. Because you're like BlackBerry and you wanted to support BlackBerry, and that's yeah. why I don't. I don't necessarily have a problem with paying it. I don't. I can totally relate to people who say that it costs too much or that the ads cost the ad free service costs too much. Whatever the case may be, that's that's perfectly fine. I can understand that, but to me, it's just me supporting BlackBerry personally. Yeah. I'll, I'll give them the $2 per month if they really want the $2 per month. I don't really care, right? But I totally get where people are coming from when they say that it, it costs too much. Here's how I here's how I at least plan to support BlackBerry. Buying the slider. <laughs> BBM, maybe next update. Try again next time. Um, no, but I don't know who is in that beta zone for BBM. But me. Yeah. They need to seriously. Here's another way that I'll support BlackBerry. How's that? Because they never they never actually announced any sort of situation for me to be able to go ahead and do this, which is rather interesting, and I'm curious about the future plans for it. Best 12 Cloud. How much can I pay? How much can I pay someone to give me the service of Best 12 Cloud? That's all I want. You know, I'm a single user, but I still want that security and comfort of Best 12 Cloud. How much is it going to cost me as a single user? Yo, I'll chip in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I need secure email, man. You don't yeah. even know. Let's all just create a corporation and just get BES. Best 12. BES. <laughs> no, I'm, de I'm definitely interested in some of the cloud pricing. There's a lot of pricing out there that's just kind of like up in the air still in terms of yeah. BES. In the different, like this, the sim base, there's just a bunch of stuff. Hopefully it gets ironed out shortly. Uh, what do you guys think in terms of the BlackBerry slider that was teased very shortly in black and white by Ron at Mobile World Congress? Uh, the only thing, Blaze, you posted a video of it. Uh, I, the only thing that I got from that video was the super satisfying slide noise. <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh, man, I got to get it. Uh, the screen is curved like a Samsung Edge, which I thought was kind of curious. The camera looks like the Samsung S6, kind of curious. Even the profile of the device in terms of its width looks like a Samsung Edge. It's a so. Samsung slider built by BlackBerry, yes, we know, or and, vice versa. And I'm totally okay with that. I'm more, <laughs> I'm more okay with that than Samsung building a slider, pat, you know, licensing BlackBerry's keyboard yeah. and putting their own logo on it. Whatever's going on, whatever BlackBerry has done to get this equipment, be it through a licensing deal for the actual hardware, or maybe just an extension of their partnership. Whatever they've done, I'm happy for it because this shows that they still have some aspirations for the consumer. Because an enterprise user at the end of the day is like, what the hell do I need a curved screen for? You know? Yeah. 
What do you guys think of the device? We saw it very briefly, but is this something you'd pick up, or are you still you want just the basic all touch? You want just the basic QWERTY? What are some of you guys' impressions? My you only bring it like, yeah. Sorry. My only concern is the size. It looks humongous. Yeah. And I'm wondering, like, like back like a year ago, if you were to talk to me a year ago, I was like, oh man, I really need a slider. Really need a slider. But I was thinking about a slider that was more more modest like uh like a Z10 slider a Z30 slider so that you know you still get that full touch screen but you can bring up the keyboard whenever but yeah. to get a huge like phablet um as a slider I'm not sure if if I'd be that but it's it's probably not my target it was kind of long when it was extended yeah. right Brandon it was just like kind of like this long <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it's basically a lightsaber yeah hello like, uh, <laughs> can you hear me <laughs> he, he had them on his hands and he slid them both yeah. open. I was like, that's a very long device. <laughs> I don't think most of the time you're going to have that like that. Like, most of the time it's going to look like this from yeah. the back and the front. It's You're going to use it like this. So I don't mind so much, okay, say I need to write a big email, then I'll slide it out and I'll use it and it'll look ridiculous while I'm using it. But realistically, I think I, I hated it at first. I'm telling you I hated it because I didn't want a slider. But since I've fully accepted that the next couple of years we're not going to really see a really high premium, you know, all-touch device, the slider probably, probably most likely will be my next phone. Alex is just going to crazy clear it closed. <laughs> Alex, Alex says, Alex says probably my next phone, but Verizon probably won't. He's, like, oh, he's, he's, he's praying it also includes an on-screen keyboard just so he can crazy glue it and doesn't have to open it at all. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing too. If they don't have an on-screen keyboard, oh what goodness. an epic fail that will be! Oh my well, god! Nah, no. But would it, it. would it surprise you if it didn't? Yes. I would. I would be surprised. I would. This is totally I would dumb. Somebody like yeah. Right. That's, that's a serious offense. That's, you know what? That's that that move is something to just like confirm. You know what? I'm leaving BlackBerry. I'm, I'm yeah. Just, I'm <laughs> no, look at the torch. They weren't that stupid on the torch. They say this is not their first slider device. Just look at how the right. torch worked, and it worked. My my cousin, his buttons broke on the torch, and his phone was still fully functional for another two years. Here's the thing, though. Alex, I get where you're coming from. But when I when I put the passport sideways, I should have a virtual keyboard, but I don't. You know. Yeah. So, so there are some aspects. Come I can't. On. I can't. You're talking about it. a square screen. It doesn't matter, man. This thing's so wide. It's wider than your all-touch keyboard is. Yeah, man. It especially, it especially, man. Even I don't know. It's such a weird situation. But James. I, I agree because when you when you hold your passport sideways, so you're like laying in bed or whatever, and you have the keyboard and you're scrolling through a website. You obviously kind of want to have like a keyboard right here too. Right? Your thumbs yeah. are just naturally there. I mean, it just makes so yeah, much sense. You could be scrolling. You could be scrolling through <laughs> a website, but then you could also be typing on that website, and it just doesn't make sense to be constantly going like this. Exactly. But whatever. Right. I mean, that's that 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 is possibly, I guess, a rare. Scenario. Yes, that was probably overlooked by BlackBerry. I don't think they're going to overlook putting a physical or a keyboard on a device <laughs> like this. They're not going to do that. You're pulling at strings there. But, but the yeah, thing okay. is, with, with the physical keyboard that is on the slider, I mean, did not anyone not notice how ugly it is? Like that keyboard is terrible looking. I, I, was really I believe. I believe. I believe it is a four-row touch-enabled keyboard. It, I, yeah. And I think it's going to be touch enabled as well. I don't. If they now, that's the other thing. If this keyboard isn't touch enabled, 
Yeah, I agree. You're dropping the ball again on that one. But <laughs> I really just felt like it would it would be a, a more premium touch if it was just a three roll as the passport, you know. And and I think even with the three roll, it would complement it a little bit more than that four uh, roll uh, keyboard does. It's, I mean, it's just, I agree it just too, cheap. though. It the, but doing a three row on such a uh, not wide device like the passport is the the I don't know how to the, the most narrow that you can get to have a three row keyboard. Eh, point when me, you point put, me. yeah when you have a three row keyboard on this device you're starting it's not good. I I totally agree with you. I I was sad to see it was a four row instead of a three row. Um, but realistically looking at it, it's just too narrow to be a three yeah. row. It'll be a four row keyboard, touch enabled, but still won't have an alt or symbol key. <laughs> or right. oh my God. Wait, that'll that'll be looks, on screen, so you'll get it. It looks oh, nothing man. like any Blackberry keyboard we've seen before, though. It looks like a whole new like four row keyboard, like of its own. Yeah. And that just right there is kind of stamping that it was clearly inspired, you know, from another source <laughs> and not just being Blackberry. And it's, but it's, I mean, it's, 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 no, go ahead, Darius. No, I was gonna say as Jube mentioned, like that device looks extremely long. Like I don't even know if I were even Part something. Yeah, right. It's just like it's crazy because you. I mean, even when you slide and it was like Jesus Christ, bro. Like, but it, it's I, I don't. I, I'm not gonna say anything. I'm not gonna say anything because I was. I'm always like. Uh, we said the same thing about the passport, right? Right. right. I'm always pessimistic. That's what I was saying. Yeah, because I'm like, I was going to say, I was a little pessimistic at first about the passport, and then it's like, as it got close, I'm like, Jesus, I need this. I, I, was, pessi- I was pessimistic about Chen when he first came up. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like we have nothing but crappy pictures and crappy video to base all of this off of. So, right, I mean, right. You know, yeah. They, I, I do take comfort in that they did announce in regards to the slider device that they is going to be industry specific and it's going to have innovative technology built into it. So that may not even be. I mean, that was like a demo device. They may not. That may very well yeah. not even be the final model. So no, yeah, I, I don't doubt that that's not the final model. That's why they don't want anybody to actually fully see it. <laughs> I mean, you you could even go so far as to say question whether or not that was even a real device that they actually had there. I mean, and plenty of people have already. I mean, the forums were full of people just arguing whether or not it was even an actual device or if it was just, you know, a dummy model at this point. So yeah, it could have been just yeah. a stunt to get to you know to to get people talking like you know yeah. Blackberry still making devices and right. they're still going to be around with the you know hardware. So you're you're on, Alex. Go for yeah, it. Look, look at this for a second. This I I it. I, this just makes me feel a little bit weird. See how the search icon here is cut off, and then yeah. see how there's like this this space in between here. This looks like the little dot to show you which screen 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 screenshot, man. They just put a screenshot. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It does not yeah. look like it's like literally a device. It, it might just be a concept device that they threw a screenshot on there or something because yeah, and none of the icons are highlighted like, either. Like yeah. If you, if you have if you hold your if you hold your hand on the phone right there. Then obviously your icons are going to start to go into that. Like right, you're going to activate just something on the screen, and yeah. nothing happened when he touched right there in the middle of the screen and he slid it out. Nothing was activated. Not so it could just have been like a. Alex, zoom in for us, please. Zoom in if you could. Now I want to focus on the bottom. Look how much dead space at that chin. <laughs> like you talk yeah. about weight weight distribution, yeah, and that there's space on either side of the space row where the space bar is. There's space on the left and there's space on the right. I don't know what they're doing. This is very, very, very likely an early prototype, and refinement is yet to come. For all we know, this device will not run BlackBerry 10. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, 
<laughs> that is the thing. No, honestly. Don't get started, James. I but, know. We'll save that for next. We'll save that discussion for next upstream. Okay. Just just look at Sam. This this partnership though, I think it's interesting that the Samsung partnership really started off as kind of a an enterprise work kind of thing. Whatever, whatever, whatever. They needed it for Knox and various things. But like looking at this slider. The fact, the simple fact that it, it is a double curved or dual curved screen glass, and that is what the only company that's really been using this a lot is Samsung. Like it shows this partnership. There's definitely more to it than just a little yeah. software thing. And if you think that there's not going to be a BlackBerry 10 device in the near future, probably running more Android than we were expecting, I, I'd be very surprised to not see that. Um, but that's something speculation. We'll figure it out from a different angle, though, Alex. I mean, we've yep. been seeing that. Samsung wants to kind of diversify a bit more than just be locked down to Android. They've been building their Tizen uh, operating system that hasn't really gone anywhere lately. So they might be taking this as an opportunity to really hit the enterprise market hard, provide the hardware for it, and have BlackBerry focus on what they're good at, the software and the security aspect of it. And if it has uh, really good Android capabilities, not not necessarily Android on the device per se, but a really good Android runtime. Yeah, they need to improve the runtime a lot, but I agree. People, Absolutely. Get people who are on their existing Samsung devices and, and give them this option of a BlackBerry 10 that can also run a lot of their old uh, Android apps already. Yep, so it, it might not necessarily mean that they're they're going to be putting Android on the device. It just means that you know there might be some synergies to be had between the Yep. Absolutely. I, don't, I don't know how I feel about it, guys. I honestly, <laughs> and, and I said this, I said this multiple upstreams ago. Alex is gonna hate me for saying it, but I believe, despite the roadmap that we have gotten from BlackBerry, that this will be a very important year for all touch in terms of BlackBerry. And we will leave that. We will leave that comment as speculative as is. <laughs> we I will disagree. We will touch on it in October. <laughs> We will touch on it again for sure. I definitely touch think on that, the touch screen again. Exactly, exactly. We will, we will touch on this later in the year, most definitely. Um, I'm excited about a slider. I feel that you know there are those even some legacy people who are still on torches, you know, who will finally have that gateway to jump onto BB10. The more the merrier. Do I consider this device innovative? That is the question. Okay, Samsung, uh, not Samsung. Excuse me. The Passport was innovative, right? From a design yep. perspective, right. from the from the touch-enabled keyboard, does borrowing innovation from Samsung make your device innovative? I don't I don't think so. So what I think they have to either retool the OS to actually use the hardware. There's just something missing in terms of that innovation. So I'm interested to see what that might be. On stage, Chen was very like it. It was interesting to watch how he acted about it because he said he essentially said there's more to this than than it looks. Like yeah. I think they have some there's some software. Uh, things up their sleeve with this slider, and you know if this thing is thin enough, the only thing I'm worried about is it being a brick, like really thick. If it's thin mm -hmm. enough, I don't ever need to use the physical QWERTY keyboard, and this is my high-end all-touch device. I don't care, honestly. So right. we'll see. I would have been more excited if I've seen an all-touch passport, you know, design device. I, I would say, like, I really would have been more excited if I seen that than a slider. But I'm, I'm anxious, and I'm. Very, very curious to see what this slider is going to be about. All, all touch passport, aka leap and a half. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I want to ask you guys a quick question about the passport, talking about missed opportunities and talking about you know whether the the keyboard on the slider might be touch sensitive or not. I was wondering why don't you guys think why do you guys think that BlackBerry didn't bring some of those classic features to the passport? So for instance, where you could just use the keyboard as a trackpad and go through and 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 have stuff focus as you move around the trackpad. I think it's coming. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of technology to to work into a keyboard, man. What I, ex- what, I, what, what I expect in the future is that when we swipe to an active frame, we'll be able to double tap the touch enabled keyboard and then just be able to swipe on it to navigate the OS. Yeah. Now, will right. we have that? Will we have a, t- a little highlight cursor and be able to touch applications? Probably not. But we will right. be able to at least navigate the OS, pull down the you know the site settings with the two finger gesture swipe. It's it's yeah. needs to be built. The capability is absolutely there, Brandon. I mean, yeah. whether whether they you know missed opportunities, you said whether they actually execute on it in the future remains to be seen. Right. Like a matter of fact, a, a good point, Brandon. Um, and what James was mentioning as well. Like if you look at what Samsung did with the Note, like the first Note was just it was a Note because of its size. Then like with the second iteration, they worked in the S Pen and all the software capabilities that they, they put into it. And I feel like with the second iteration of the Passport, that's definitely where it can lead to more, uh, you know, software uh, compatibilities in terms with the, the keyboard um, and really utilizing the width, like, as, as we mentioned, like, beforehand with, like, uh, the WorkWide app, you know, like, really making it a part of the, the OS itself, but specifically for the Passport. Because those are things that you can really see in the for in, in, in the long run in, in regard um in regarding the uh, passport. Like there's it's ton tons of possibilities and things they can do with the device, but um I mean that's why you have the second and third and fourth iterations. Like this is one of those devices before this even was released that I was excited to see because I knew that there was so much more in terms of the future for the passport that we can see with it. I just hope we see it in uh, on an annual basis. That's my biggest thing. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. It, so I, I'm going to talk on one one final thing here. Let's oh talk my about God, the, James! Let's so talk about <laughs> let's talk about the roadmap. Let's talk about what we're actually going to see this year, just to cover the base, right? So oh, we yeah, have we, we, ha- we, we have the leap. We're going to get this high end Porsche type device, very likely to be a passport. What do you guys think? It's going to be a very sure. So Porsche Design Passport, so one, two. Third device we obviously know is this slider for innovative, uh, you know, a little bit best of all worlds, so to speak. And then the fourth, what do you guys expect? Can I, can I say this, James? I know you don't agree. <laughs> Chen, no, said, Chen no. said it's going to be a physical QWERTY device. Now, it might not be, I guess, but I'm just, I just want to put this out there. Chen said it will be a physical QWERTY device, so it might be the Passport 2 or something like that. Blaze, Blaze knows what it is, more or less, right? Okay. I have no idea. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> I just love throwing them under the bus. I think if they were to, if they were to reiterate something for that market, it's going to be a leap with a QWERTY keyboard, a.k.a. a Q5. That just yeah. makes the most sense. It's a Q5 replacement. It, exactly. Yeah. It just, it, based off the strategy that we're seeing so far, it's very likely. So we have the Porsche Design Passport, the Leap, a Q5 replacement, and the slider device. So that's what we can expect for 2015. Again, Alex, I don't disagree with you. I, okay. I just think okay. that there's going to be more more than meets the eye in terms of all touch <laughs> devices for okay. BlackBerry this year. I'm rather confused why people keep coming up with the Passport 2, like with the exception 
of what we just talked about, like the innovation on the keyboard and stuff like that. Like, it's going to last a while. Yeah, ahead of Mobile World Congress, everybody was like, oh, I hope they announce this. Not everybody, but a good amount of people were saying, I hope they announce the Passport 2. Like, really? The Passport just came out in September. Like, yeah. it still has plenty of life. You're not going to see a Passport 2 yet. But okay. is that, is that subconsciously wishful thinking? Right. It'll be like two years or at the minimum until yeah. we see that again. But do know that you will see it because, like, when they released the first Passport, at the Toronto event that I went to, John Chun did say he kind of slipped up and said there will be a Passport 2. He let right. everyone know because the sales were so great, there's going to be a Passport 2. When that will happen, unsure. Maybe next year. But Yeah, it's a series of devices, but, you know. Don't expect it like next month at some point or something like that. I mean, it seems a little bit crazy to be talking about a passport too already. Do expect a leap next month. <laughs> I mean, right, yeah. In April, in Europe, on a UK carrier <laughs> with one, and you have to have a business account to get it. Sorry. Maybe, maybe <laughs> Sprint, maybe Sprint will launch the leap. They said they were waiting on the Aristo, which was the Z30. Maybe they were actually waiting for the leap. <laughs> I think it just would be so smart for their carrier presence to have the Passport, the All Touch, and the Classic, just all three in stores. But I digress from there. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll speak on uh, a little bit more of this on our next cast, which will be next week. What date is that going to be? That'll be the 15th, so you guys can mark that on your calendars. We'll certainly have it marked on ours. I appreciate having everyone on for another cast. Blaze, your contribution is always phenomenal. Thank you once again. Jubei, thanks for making time. I know you were kind of sliding in here right at the end. Uh, we appreciate having you and your insight on as well. Darius, thank you. I know you'll, you'll be heading off to deployment soon. Well, no, <laughs> no, I'm not going like Afghanistan. <laughs> no, I'm going to Louisiana for a couple of weeks, so I will be back on the 27th. All right, so we'll we'll miss you while you're out, but we do appreciate your contributions as always. Brandon has a hot mix coming. Uh, you kind of heard it teased at the beginning of this. Uh, tomorrow we'll be releasing a passport overview, kind of a six-month recap. Here it is. Here's a, the, the penultimate review, so to speak, and Brandon helped me with some audio on that. Very, very pornographic, the audio, so you can have that to look forward to. <laughs> I caught an early glimpse, too. So just, no, pour some wine. Oh, I was oh, like, oh, Jamie, oh. do the video. I'm like, yeah, this is a great video, man. <laughs> <laughs> and Alex, of course, you, you've been one of the most, you've been more consistent than I have been on that stream. <laughs> I've fallen out on a couple streams. So, as always, Alex, thank you very much for your uh, contributions and attendance on these very full upstreams. We'll catch you all next week. Take care, guys. Take care.